All right. Mindy, welcome. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. So we're going to talk about uh, aerial photography and drones and things like that. Um, but first, uh, I thought a, a good place to start might be like, what got you into this field in the first place? Why? How did you, you know, get interested in this and, and get started doing mm -hmm. this as a business? Uh, sure. I was prior to owning and operating um, multispectral aerial images and solutions. We, I was a photographer for 15 going on 16 years. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, one of my clients was actually an engineer that specialized in robotics. And he came to me and said, like, I know that you love photography. And I really, this is my passion. This is what I do. It seems like it would be really cool if we could somehow make a drone and we could take pictures. Like, he's like, I know it's on the forefront and it's, it's coming and it'll be here. Let's start like putting our heads together on how we can make this into a business. And we didn't know where this was gonna go or we didn't know that there was gonna be drones in the next you know, decade that would be for sale and that you could readily buy off the shelf. We didn't know any of this. We started designing our own crafts, um, tried to enable a payload that could carry a camera. Um, so it just sort of it, it evolved and advanced through there. And it really was this culmination of I make images and I work with digital images. I have a, a passion for um, doing creative things with data, like stitching it together and finding anomalies. And he had this zest for designing drones and robotics. So Very cool. we worked together. Yeah. So you came at it from the perspective of a, a traditional photographer, like a land-based photographer. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah. what I would call a terrestrial photographer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cool. For sure. Cool. And so, what were what were some of the uh, biggest challenges in trying to convert that? Because you mentioned, you know, this was before you could go on Amazon and just buy something that flew with a camera on it. What were some of the biggest right. challenges in trying to make that happen? Well, besides the technical aspect of fitting a camera to an aircraft, uh, the much bigger issue was FAA adherence. And we were actually the fourth company in the country to have the allowance to use drones for commercial reasons. Be hmm. Before you took the 107 test, before that even was around there, you had to have clearance with the FAA in a, in a much different, like, in a different way, you, you had to prove that you were, you had airworthiness. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't taking, there was no licensing at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we were the fourth in the country. We had more paperwork than I would ever want to see again in my life. <laughs> um, it, definitely the rules and regulations, it was a full-time job, almost figuring that out for sure. I can believe it. What are some of the things that you found, um, you know, that, that you could do with this technology, you know, when, when you first started out, what were some of the, uh, you know, requests from people that, that you could help with? Well, it's funny you ask that because I think with, when drones very first started becoming popular and people started to say, Hey, maybe this is a viable solution. The other side of it was the manufacturers pushing that they could do things that we didn't understand or know about. Um, they were 
making grandiose promises that just would not come to fruition realistic realistically that the, the yeah. tech wasn't there the hardware wasn't there the software wasn't there and so you know we would go out and see if we could do say bathometry which is measuring erosion and we didn't understand how ground control points work we didn't know surveyors accuracy things like that and you know you would have the man manufacturer saying oh yeah you can definitely do this but as you know it you, you have pretty strict guidelines when you're doing surveying so mm -hmm. um those those data points were not coming together in the in the beginning of drones hitting the mass market yeah and so is that something that you were able to kind of focus on and and improve upon as as a uh you know specialist service like how maybe explain how that process you know i, I mostly yeah. focus on buildings and i think we'll get there but i'm right. curious because you mentioned this uh, application of measuring erosion or, or monitoring mm -hmm. erosion you know explain that process a little bit i'm curious about it so i got to the point as a business owner that i said to myself well we can only do one of two things really we can wait for the tech to evolve or we can make a team that's going to match comprehend and assist and further what they're giving us as far as drone tech goes. Mm -hmm. So we brought on erosion people. We have uh, NDVI experts that look at chlorophyll. Um, we, we have a team um, that we work with for bathometry. Um, it, so it really, to me, it was an opportunity to build a team worthy of the work I was looking for instead mm -hmm. of just looking for something off the shelf and saying, okay, I have this, I think it can meet your needs. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, instead, I took a, like two or three years and just focused really heavily on bringing on experts in their field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so what are some of the um, you know, key elements of the technology that's improved in that time that's helped you with, with some of this work? Oh, sure. So there's, there's quite a number of things. So before the cameras were very clunky, heavy, um, that you had to change the cameras. Now you can get a micro four thirds camera where you just change the lens. The cameras are much lighter, making you able to have maybe one or one or more cameras on a, um, you know, craft that, that, that in itself is exceptional. Um, the, the batteries are much better. They can last longer. So you can maybe not waste an entire day filming and maybe you're just there for a few hours. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're not constantly switching out batteries. Some of the crafts, um, like our Matrice series, they have battery warmers on them. So you can fly in very cold weather. It mm -hmm. also has a fan that'll cool down the battery. So believe it or not the battery is like the the heart right we 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 have to have our batteries so um also the um i would have to say that the supporting um things like the the ability to put different monitors on your drone so you could not or sorry on your ground control station so the individual can see what's what's going on you know you have better Wi-Fi. Now we have 5G. Yeah. That, that's better. You could be out in the field um, and, and you won't lose signal, which is huge. Um, so the, there's so many improvements in the last decade as far as like all the way from the craft 
the technology, the hardware to the software, um, and also guidelines for people from the FAA that now they have this regimented understanding of what they can and can't do. So there's yeah. been huge changes. Yeah, that all makes sense. What are you finding these days are some of the major applications related to buildings and construction and architecture that you're working on? So there are a lot of applications and it's kind of interesting because we work in the Northeast, we've worked in different areas, but we're not as exposed to different climates like down in Florida and or maybe Southern areas. I know that they have a huge interest in beta testing delivery services. So that might not be something that's applicable to the Northeast because of weather. You know, you couldn't always yeah. do that. Um, maybe it's an urban congestion, but I make this point because there are a lot of different applications that even I don't know about, you know, people are coming to me every day and saying like, have you thought about this? I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. So, um, but for buildings, you know, we do facade inspection, we do roof inspection, we do infrared um, roof inspection, but also infrared building envelope inspection. Yep. Uh, so that um, that has changed recently um, in over the past few years. We we have better cameras, higher resolution, lighter lighter payloads. Um, you know, we can also do things like lidar. So you're doing city planning. Like there's a lot that you can do in the urban environment that I think we couldn't do before because of the size of the craft and the agility of the craft. Okay. What is LIDAR? What does that do for you? So LIDAR is a way of almost, you could say, survey. So you would be mapping an area and then you could create a model um, with the information. So you could take that into okay. like AutoCAD. And, okay. you know, LIDAR used to be extremely expensive, like, like it, you know, $50,000, $60,000 and up for a camera. And now it's more affordable and they've made it smaller and you would never dream of being able to put it on a drone, but now we are there. So it's definitely an option. So is that similar or the same technology to what, you know, uh, maybe colloquially, colloquially is called uh, like laser scanning a facade or something like somebody goes right. on a tripod yeah, it, and they exactly. have a thing, right? And you end up right. with a point, point cloud that you put into, okay. So yes. you can do that from a drone. Yes, yes. And yes. and the advantages of that are that you may you can basically what make like a three-dimensional map almost of, a, of an area. Right. right. So you would be getting, you know, obviously those bird's eye views that you wouldn't be able to get on the ground. And yeah. then you, yeah, you could just add that to your BIM information. Now, presumably, are you able to combine that with uh, like ground-based information in the same model to kind of make like a more... Right. You could picture? marry those images and then create a more comprehensive, cohesive yeah. map. That's cool. Um when it comes to uh, like infrared, like what, um, you know, how do, what are some of the advantages you might see with doing it drone-based versus, um, you know, from either walking on a roof or, or from the ground or something like that? Sure. Well, with infrared, I mean, the most important thing is safety. Um, as the, you know, as the drone pilot and the visual observer are there, they're on the ground, they're not on the roof, so they're not going to fall through a skylight. They're not going to, mm. you know, slip on some ponded water. Um, and of course, they're not going to be up there in the in the freezing cold and the windy conditions. The, the good thing is that you're not 
getting your information from on top of a ladder. Um, so you're not getting that almost per perpendicular view that would cause, um, sorry, not perpendicular, but you would get the angle of acquisition wouldn't be correct and you would get reflections, thermal reflections um, in the infrared information. So it wouldn't, it, people obviously didn't know this before drones, they just used ladders and then they would yeah. move the ladder every 10 feet and that would be yeah. what they would do. And then they would have to stitch the images if, if they wanted to see a larger image of the roof. So mm -hmm. what we do is we fly up, we get one daylight image, couple images of the roof. And then we match that later on um, when it's you know darker outside or if there's a temperature differential we can work with. Um, we look at the images and we're not you know we're not reflecting. We're higher up. We have yeah. a better angle of acquisition, and then we're able to stitch those images because they're geo referenced. Okay. So they can make a larger picture and orthomosaic. And then if we need to, we can match that with the original RGB image and you can use it and compare. Okay. And when you say georeference, you're, you're saying like that the, the drone knows where it is in space and records that information when it takes the photo. Exactly. So it has that spatial recognition and then um, it just has that information in the each and every file. So when yeah. you put it together, yeah, it knows where it is. So, yeah. Interesting. And um, so I assume you can apply that the same way to visual images and, and create, uh, you know, I'm asking from my own curiosity, like we've used drones um, from a, you know, purely like uh, basically as a replacement for uh, uh, elevated access from a lift or something like mm. that. We're like, I need to put my eyes closer to some elevated part of the building. Right. Um, I don't need to touch it in this case. I don't need to try to take it apart. I just want to look at it closer from where I am. So my options are binoculars or mm. put myself up closer, or now I can put a camera up closer that I can control or somebody else can control. Right. right? So that's, that's basically our, my experience with using them. And it's been super helpful and, and really beneficial to a lot of projects. Right. Um, but I've seen, uh, you know, other types of deliverables like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, models or, or, you know, stitched together images and things like that. So you know, maybe can you talk a little bit about like some of, um, you know, what are some of the things you can create with these images uh, besides just a picture that was taken 40 right. feet off the ground? Right, right. That's still worth something. So yeah, for sure. But, but um, so we do actually quite a bit of 3D modeling. So where we see a use for it, is in construction sites. So if you have a construction site that's going on for, let's say more than more than a month, three months, four months, a year, two years, you know, you're gonna have people like investors, stakeholders, you're gonna have the construction crew, you're gonna have the engineers, the architects, everyone that's involved. And we come along and we do an ortho flight. So we get all of the images in RGB files and we make 3D models. Now, one of the models that we work on continuously is, well, now it's up to about 20 acres. So it started as four acres, wow. now it's 20 acres. We go out once a month, we take these images, it's cataloged on a cloud service and people who are involved in the project can review it. So they can say, where were we from January to March of you know 20 whatever? And then they can see the changes. And I have to say that this particular project is integral because the crew is actually out of Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. So when they look at it there, they can tour through that 3D imagery. They can toggle through, they can spin it around, they can see where there are, where their things are. And uh, every month, like clockwork, we give them a deliverable. 
That's cool. That's because one of the most helpful things I've had, uh, you know, I've been able to, uh, you know, realize from using some of this drone photography is that, you know, I don't always necessarily know what I want to get a picture of. Like, I know right. I want to see something higher up, uh, but the the specific issue that I might be looking for is not evident until afterwards. Um, so being able to have, you know, a bigger image that I can then zoom in on and look at things closer afterwards, you know, just like I would if I was walking on the ground and I saw something, I could walk up closer to it and look more closely, you know, same thing with an image. So that, that ability, you know, that element of being able to kind of determine afterwards what you're looking for and then look at it more closely, um, like by touring around an image or a model is, is really helpful. Um, yeah, I, to, I do have to say that like Google Earth, or if you're using just regular Google, it doesn't, it's not, obviously, it's not updated every week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. it actually becomes quite an important service uh, yeah. to the people we're working with. And what kind of, you know, uh, <clears throat> like, is there, I imagine there's all kinds of different cameras and certainly different drones and things like that. But like, um, you know, as somebody, if you're looking for that kind of capability to mm -hmm. be able to go in afterwards and, and get more detail, um, you know, how would you communicate that to a potential provider, you know, saying like, look, that's what I need. You know, I don't need just an image, but I need to be able to, you know, uh, zoom in a lot and see the details later, or, you know, how, how, what's the best way to, you know, talk up through that with somebody who might be providing the service for you? So when you say that you're talking about like the, the business owner or the drone yeah. pilot? So yeah, both, both. Like if I, you know, if I come to you and I say like, look, you know, I've got this project, I need to be able to say like a roof inspection, right? I want to do a roof inspection from a drone. You know, right. it's really difficult to get access onto the roof on foot or it's dangerous or whatever. Um, you know, and I, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for. I need to be able to tell the client, mm. um, these are the conditions that are on the roof. Um, you know, what options do I have to, you know, a good, better or best way to approach that right. um, to get the information I'm looking for? So I would, you know, if you're trying to work with the, the building management, uh, you know, I would say that the data collection could be done a little bit during the daylight and then some infrared would be a good idea. It's, it's not going to take a long time, maybe a couple hours but the images would be delivered in a way that they could just be JPEGs that they flip through, something as mm -hmm. easy as that, or they could be something um, on a cloud so that they can share them. I find that sometimes when you work with one person, you're actually unbeknownst to you working with 20 people, right? So right. They, they might say, I can't share these images. And you're like, that, that is such a small part of what we provide but in reality you have to work that out and so that might mean a cloud service for this person that you know yeah. where you thought originally it was going to be something like dropbox turns into something else so you always have to have many solutions to how you're going to collect the data when you're going to collect the data what you're going to do with the data and how you're going to access the data yeah yeah that makes sense um, and like what in terms of technology, like are there, um, you said you mentioned, you know, like so the there's now micro four thirds cameras and things like that. Is there, um, do the drone and the camera always go together? Are there, you know, do you affix different cameras onto a given drone or yes to all the above? Or, you know, how does that, how do you go about making those decisions? Well, sometimes, you know, you can buy something off the shelf and maybe it'll have one use, but it won't have many uses. Mm -hmm. So you could buy a drone for every use, or you know you could make a drone 
um, with the help of an engineer to fit a specific need. Uh, we have looked in smokestacks and we've had used smaller drones that we've made um, for that purpose. Um, the, each, uh, each drone is, is different. Like there are many providers, you know, there's not just DJI, there's a lot of people. Sure. So there's drone sense and, you know, lots of providers, but you really can't get yourself backed in a corner that you only work with one drone, one provider. You have to be yeah. able to provide services. So um, just being open to different crafts is really important. How would you um, advise somebody who is trying to decide like, all right, I've got a business and occasionally we use drone services. Mm -hmm. um, you know, should we, you know, it seems like, you know, it seems like I can go online and buy a drone. Like, should I just do that? Um, or should I keep using services? Like how, how would you talk somebody through that thought process? Well, um, I'd have to really ask them, is there a difference between this being your curiosity, your passion, or your business? And, and those are three very different things. Uh, when you're a business owner, you know, you pay an excessive amount in insurances and, and other um, business overhead operational fees, um, it, you know, licensing and education. I mean, it just, if you want to be a, if you want to be an expert at something, you have to apply yourself. If you want to just provide a service for fun and not be commercial, then that's a, that's a different thing. I, what about if you're thinking of it like, so, and I'm, I'm, I'm even getting, you know, obliquely to the question of, you know, licensing and, and what's allowable and what are mm -hmm. the regulations, things like that. But, you know, so say like, you know, I go to a job site, right. I don't have a, I'm not a photographer. Um, mm -hmm. It's not my profession, but I bring a camera. And mm -hmm. I take pictures of things, right? So if I, you know, to extend what I was talking about before, if I just want the equivalent of a camera on a long stick that I can use to take pictures of the roof, uh -huh. um, you know, uh, why, you know, why wouldn't I just buy a drone myself and fly it around and take pictures of the roof the same way I take pictures of the wall from the ground? Right. I know there's there's reasons not to, but I'm, you know, I, that's what I kind of want to talk about is why why that may not be, uh, you know, as obvious a solution as it seems at first. Right. Well, you don't need a license to have a camera. That's one. <laughs> so that, that, that would be the top thing I'd say. Um, you know, you so can, what kind of licensure is required to use a drone commercially? So you have to have an FAA 107. You have to pass a test um, series of questions that you go to like your local airport. And, and um, if you pass, they uh, give you a piece of paper and you get a letter in the mail with a nice little license and, and off you go. Uh, you have to renew it every two years. Um, I would, I would say that, yeah, anybody could buy a drone, but I would have to say that being in this business now for almost 10 years, there are a lot of caveats to being a professional provider versus owning a drone. And yes, you could go out and have a drone and take pictures. That's fine. But <laughs> what are some of the other requirements that, or maybe like, uh, you know, insurance wise or anything like that, that, you know, you, uh, you know, aren't immediately obvious maybe. Right. So um, for instance, we have our OSHA certificates. We don't need our OSHA certificates, but that makes us a more viable solution for um, people in the industry. You, you know, the insurance is when you buy insurance, it has to be on the drone, um, the pilot, 
Um, it has to be on the business. You have to have things like workman's compensation. Uh, there's at least five insurances, I would say. Yeah, you have to have quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. All right, so maybe um, moving more towards some of the practical matters, like um, what are some what are some of the factors that go into planning um you know a day of drone photography like what do you have to get in place ahead of time um sure. what do you you know what are your limitations maybe in terms of uh flight time and and what you can look at in a day and, and stuff like that right so let's say it's a urban environment um we'll just assume that for this situation um you know we contact the local police local authorities we might have to hire a police detail uh, we've done that we've done that many times we work that out we have to contact the surrounding buildings to let them know at their front desk and make sure that the super knows uh that we're in the area and the actual building the super has to be aware and then uh, letters of intent have to be placed around the building residents have to be made aware a few days prior to flying um, and then an area has to be sort of cordoned off and then under the watch why possibly of a, a on-duty police officer we can begin our flight um you know we have we usually cone off an area we have caution tape uh, we're trying to be as respectful and quiet as possible so as not to bother anybody. Uh, it might take several days because it's a scenario of not interrupting other people's day. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to be really uh, aware of people's schedules, so we might work around the day when it's uh, not a busy day or, or an off day. Um, data collection might take a few hours, uh, and then we, we just take that information and upload it um, the same day from where we are and work on it um, remotely. And how about, um, you know, as I know you mentioned battery uh, capacity and things like that, like how does that play into the amount of actual data collection time that you have versus like on-site time. I imagine, I guess you could have a ton of batteries and switch them out and stuff like that, but right. you, know, to, you know, are you, are you limited to in, in some extent, you know, to an extent by, by that type of, uh, you know, technical limitation? I mean, I only know what, what we have done and we have um, on-site generators that we use. Hmm. Okay. And if we can't get power somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you only know those things because you've been in that heated scenario before and you're like, we have to yeah. fix this, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, we got to the point where we said we need online power all the time. And yeah. so you have enough, you know, basically enough batteries that you can charge them fast enough to, to essentially right. keep flying continuously. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Um, let's see, what else? Um, what kind of, you know, like how how close can you get for lack of a better way to put it? Like not necessarily physically close can the drone get, but mm -hmm. you know, I can put my face, you know, one inch away from a building, right? Um, so how, how, how much detail can you gather? Sure, I can always uh, send a couple images too uh, on our data collection process. Um, we don't use vertical mapping at all. We don't rely on any sort of automated process when we're doing facade inspection, mm -hmm. uh, only because we're most likely called in if the building has some sort of ornate architecture to it or, or it's extremely um, difficult flying difficult area i can't use a boom truck 
So when we fly, we are usually anywhere from four to eight feet from the building. So you're going to see fissures and cracks and yeah. um, exactly. So, and we know, you know, you have those repetitive buildings, you know, those old school buildings, the seventies and stuff where they're very repetitive. So we make a 3D model out of those buildings and we use the imagery uh, to be referenced later in an inspection on the engineer or architect's own time. Got it. And you usually work in a, in a, um, a fashion where you have like you gather the information and then provide it to uh, you know uh, the, the designer or the engineer or the architect or whatever or do you have somebody on site with you you know looking over your shoulder so to speak mm -hmm. saying like hey i want to go see that can you fly up there and look at that more closely um or both of those things i have found matt that nothing good comes from anybody looking over anyone's shoulder <laughs> 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 it, it never works out um, only only because uh, it I don't want to it's not a perilous situation, but you're you're there and you've got this huge craft and, you know, you're trying to do your job and, and you're trying to make sure that everybody's safe first and foremost. And actually having someone there is almost not safe. Yep. because you're thinking of them and and so they know that we're going to get the entire building they i mean mm -hmm. they, they know it anyways that's our goal so okay. um it, it it has worked in the past where you know people they come and they check in and we show them like hey look this is what we're doing is this or this is what you're comfortable with and and then they might give us some pointers but as far as like hand holding goes we don't really get a lot of that yeah. So generally your approach is like, okay, we're just going to gather all the data and right. then provide it to you and you can peruse it at your, you know, at your leisure. Yeah. And I have found that if they said like, oh, don't, don't worry about that section. Inevitably someone comes back and says, <laughs> did you get that section? Did yeah. we talk about that? And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It was easier to go take a couple of pictures while you're there it, than to exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. All right. Well, I mean, that, I think that's a pretty good overview, at least from, you know, questions I had. I don't know. Is there anything else that you would want to share that you think we haven't talked about that you think, you know, people should know about this kind mm. of uh, technology or these, you know, using aerial photography, uh, specifically, you know, related to architecture and buildings and things like that? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not sure. I guess I could say that, yes, it is very fun and it is very exciting, but it's also a job. So, yeah. you know, like like everybody who has like something you think is like an amazing job and you're like tell me about your scuba diving life and they're like oh yeah. you know so but i mean we love it but yeah it's i'm very passionate about it i, I love it and it you know i love questions so cool yeah. Well, thanks very much. It's been fun to learn a little bit more about it. You know, it's uh, there's a lot to the technology that you know I'm uh, not aware of, or you know, and I've learned a lot today already. So I appreciate oh, it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Cool. Well, it's good talking with you. Thank you. All right, Mindy, welcome. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. So we're going to talk about uh, aerial photography and drones and things like that. Um, but first, uh, I thought a, a good place to start might be like, what got you into this field in the first place? Why? How did you, you know, get interested in this and and get started doing mm -hmm. this as a business? Uh, sure. I was prior to owning and operating um, multi-spectral aerial images and solutions. We 
I was a photographer for 15 going on 16 years and I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, one of my clients was actually a engineer that specialized in robotics. And he came to me and said, like, I know that you love photography and I really, this is my passion. This is what I do. It seems like it would be really cool if we could somehow make a drone and we could take pictures. Like he's like, I know it's on the forefront and it's, it's coming and it'll be here. Let's start like putting our heads together on how we can make this into a business. And we didn't know where this was going to go, or we didn't know that there was going to be drones in the next, you know, decade that would be for sale and that you could readily buy off the shelf. We didn't know any of this. We started designing our own crafts, um, tried to enable a payload that could carry a camera. Um, so it just sort of it, it evolved and advanced through there. And it really was this culmination of I make images and I work with digital images. I have a, a passion for um, doing creative things with data, like stitching it together and finding anomalies. And he had this zest for designing drones and robotics. So Very cool. we worked together, yeah. So you came at it from the perspective of a, a traditional photographer, like a land-based photographer. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah. what I would call a terrestrial photographer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool, for sure. Cool. And so, what were what were some of the uh, biggest challenges in trying to convert that? Because you mentioned, you know, this was before you could go on Amazon and just buy something that flew with a camera on it. What were some of the right. biggest challenges in trying to make that happen? Well, besides the technical aspect of fitting a camera to an aircraft, uh, the much bigger issue was FAA adherence. And we were actually the fourth company in the country to have the allowance to use drones for commercial reasons. Be hmm. Before you took the 107 test, before that even was around there, you had to have clearance with the FAA in a, in a much different, like in a different way. You, you had to prove that you were you had airworthiness mm -hmm. so it wasn't taking there was no licensing at this point in time mm -hmm. so um yeah we were the fourth in the country we had more paperwork than i would ever want to see again in my life <laughs> um it, definitely the rules and regulations it was a full-time job almost figuring that out for sure i can believe it what are some of the things that you found, um, you know, that, that you could do with this technology, you know, when, when you first started out, what were some of the, uh, you know, requests from people that, that you could help with? Well, it's funny you ask that because I think with when drones very first started becoming popular and people started to say, hey, maybe this is a viable solution. The other side of it was the manufacturers pushing that they could do things that we didn't understand or know about. Um, they were making grandiose promises that just would not come to fruition realistic, realistically. The, the yeah. tech wasn't there, the hardware wasn't there, the software wasn't there. And so, you know, we would go out and see if we could do say bathometry, which is measuring erosion. And we didn't understand how ground control points work. We didn't know surveyors accuracy, things like that. And you know, you would have the man manufacturer saying, oh yeah, you can definitely do this. 
but as you know, it, you, you have pretty strict guidelines when you're doing surveying. So mm -hmm. um, those, those data points were not coming together in the, in the beginning of drones hitting the mass market. And so is that something that you were able to kind of focus on and, and improve upon as, as a, uh, you know, specialist service, like how, maybe explain how that process, you know, I, I mostly yeah. focus on buildings and I think we'll get there, but I'm right. curious, cause you mentioned this application of measuring erosion or, or monitoring mm -hmm. erosion, you know, explain that process a little bit. I'm curious about it. So I got to the point as a business owner that I said to myself, well, we can only do one of two things really. We can wait for the tech to evolve or we can make a team that's going to match, comprehend, assist, and further what they're giving us as far as drone tech goes. Mm -hmm. So we brought on erosion people. We have uh, NDVI experts that look at chlorophyll. Um, we, we have a team um, that we work with for um, it, so it really, to me, it was an opportunity to build a team worthy of the work I was looking for, mm -hmm. instead of just looking for something off the shelf and saying, okay, I have this, I think it can meet your needs. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, instead, I took a, like two or three years and just focused really heavily on bringing on experts in their field. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And um, so what are some of the, um, you know, key elements of the technology that's improved in that time that's helped you with, with some of this work? Oh, sure. So there's, there's quite a number of things. So before the cameras were very clunky, heavy, um, that you had to change the cameras. Now you can get a micro four thirds camera where you just change the lens. The cameras are much lighter, mm -hmm. making you able to have maybe one or one or more cameras on a um, you know craft that 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 in itself is exceptional. Um, the the batteries are much better; they can last longer, so you can maybe not waste an entire day filming, and maybe you're just there for a few hours. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not constantly switching out batteries. Some of the crafts um, like our Matrice series, they have battery warmers on them. So you can fly in very cold weather. It mm -hmm. also has a fan that'll cool down the battery. So believe it or not, the battery is like the, the heart, right? We, we, we have to have our batteries. So um, also the, um, I would have to say that the supporting um, things like the, the ability to put different monitors on your drone so you could not or sorry on your ground control station so the individual can see what's what's going on you know you have better wi-fi now we have 5g yeah. that that's better you could be out in the field um and, and you won't lose signal which is huge um so the, there's so many improvements in the last decade as far as like all the way from the craft the technology the hardware to the software um, and also guidelines for people from the FAA that now they have this regimented understanding of what they can and can't do. So there's yeah. been huge changes. Yeah, that all makes sense. What are you finding these days are some of the major applications related to buildings and construction and architecture that you're working on? So there are a lot of applications and it's kind of 
interesting because we work in the Northeast, we've worked in different areas, but we're not as exposed to different climates. Like down in Florida and or maybe Southern areas, I know that they have a huge interest in beta testing delivery services. So that might not be something that's applicable to the Northeast because of weather. You know, you couldn't always yeah. do that. Um, maybe it's an urban congestion. But I make this point because there are a lot of different applications that even I don't know about. You know, people are coming to me every day and saying, like, have you thought about this? I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. So, um, but for buildings, you know, we do facade inspection, we do roof inspection, we do infrared um, roof inspection, but also infrared building envelope inspection. Yep. Uh, so that um, that has changed recently um, in over the past few years. We we have better cameras, higher resolution, lighter lighter payloads. Um, you know, we can also do things like lidar. So you're doing city planning. Like there's a lot that you can do in the urban environment that I think we couldn't do before because of the size of the craft and the agility of the craft. Okay. What is LIDAR? What does that do for you? So LIDAR is a way of almost, you could say, survey. So you would be mapping an area, and then you could create a model um, with the information. So you could take that into okay. like AutoCAD. And, okay. you know, LIDAR used to be extremely expensive, like, like it, you know, $50,000, $60,000 and up for a camera. And now it's more affordable, and they've made it smaller, and you would never dream of being able to put it on a drone, but now we are there. So it's definitely an option. So is that similar or the same technology to what, you know, uh, maybe colloquially, colloquially is called uh, like laser scanning a facade or something like somebody goes right. with a tripod yeah, it, and, they exactly. have a thing, right? and you end up right. with a point, point cloud that you put into. Okay. So yes. you can do that from a drone. Yes. Yes. And, yes. and the advantages of that are that you may, you can basically what make like a three-dimensional map almost of a, of an area. Right. right. So you would be getting, you know, obviously those bird's eye views that you wouldn't be able to get on the ground. And yeah. then you, yeah, you could just add that to your BIM information. Now, presumably, are you able to combine that with uh, like ground-based information in the same model to kind of make like a more... Right. You could marry picture? those images and then create a more comprehensive, cohesive map. That's cool. Um when it comes to uh, like infrared, like what, um, you know, how, do, what are some of the advantages you might see with doing it drone based versus, um, you know, from either walking on a roof or, or from the ground or something like that? Sure. Well, with infrared, I mean, the most important thing is safety. Um, as the, you know, as the drone pilot and the visual observer are there, they're on the ground, they're not on the roof. So they're not going to fall through a skylight. They're not going to, mm. you know, slip on some ponded water. Um, and of course, they're not going to be up there in the in the freezing cold and the windy conditions. The, the good thing is that you're not getting your information from on top of a ladder. Um, so you're not getting that almost per perpendicular view that would cause, um, sorry, not perpendicular, but you would get the angle of acquisition wouldn't be correct. And you would get reflections, thermal reflections um, in the infrared information. So it wouldn't, it, people obviously didn't know this before drones. They just used ladders and then they would yeah. move the ladder every 10 feet and that would be, yeah. 
what they would do. And then they would have to stitch the images if, if they wanted to see a larger image of the roof. So mm -hmm. what we do is we fly up, we get one daylight image, couple images of the roof. And then we match that later on um, when it's you know darker outside or if there's a temperature differential we can work with. Um, we look at the images and we're not you know, we're not reflecting, we're higher up, we have a better angle of acquisition, and then we're able to stitch those images because they're geo-referenced. Okay. So they can make a larger picture, an orthomosaic, and then if we need to, we can match that with the original RGB image and you can use it and compare. Okay. And when you say georeference, you're, you're saying like that the, the drone knows where it is in space and records that information when it takes the photo. Exactly. So it has that spatial recognition and then um, it just has that information in the each and every file. So when yeah. you put it together, yeah, it knows where it is. So, yeah. Interesting. And um, so I assume you can apply that the same way to visual images and, and create, uh, you know, I'm asking from my own curiosity, like we've used drones um, from a, you know, purely like, uh, basically as a replacement for uh, elevated access from a lift or something like mm. that, where like, I need to put my eyes closer to some elevated part of the building. Right. Um, I don't need to touch it in this case. I don't need to try to take it apart. I just want to look at it closer from where I am. So my options are binoculars or mm. put myself up closer, or now I can put a camera up closer that I can control or somebody else can control. Right. right? So that's that's basically our my experience with using them. And it's been super helpful and, and really beneficial to a lot of projects. Right. Um, but I've seen... Uh, you know, other types of deliverables like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, models or, or, you know, stitched together images and things like that. So you know, maybe can you talk a little bit about like some of, um, you know, what are some of the things you can create with these images uh, besides just a picture that was taken 40 right. feet off the ground? Right, right. That's still worth something. So yeah, for sure. But, but um, so we do actually quite a bit of 3D modeling. So where we see a use for it, is in construction sites. So if you have a construction site that's going on for, let's say more than more than a month, three months, four months, a year, two years, you know, you're gonna have people like investors, stakeholders, you're gonna have the construction crew, you're gonna have the engineers, the architects, everyone that's involved. And we come along and we do an ortho flight. So we get all of the images in RGB files and we make 3D models. Now, one of the models that we work on continuously is, well, now it's up to about 20 acres. So it started as four acres, wow. now it's 20 acres. We go out once a month, we take these images, it's cataloged on a cloud service and people who are involved in the project can review it. So they can say, where were we from January to March of you know 20 whatever? And then they can see the changes. And I have to say that this particular project is integral because the crew is actually out of Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. So when they look at it there, they can tour through that 3D imagery. They can toggle through, they can spin it around. They can see where there are, where their things are. And uh, every month, like clockwork, we give them a deliverable. That's cool. That's because one of the most helpful things I've had, uh, you know, I've been able to, uh, you know, realize from using some of this drone photography is that, you know, I don't always necessarily know what I want to get a picture of. Like, I know right. I want to see 
something higher up. Um, but the, the specific issue that I might be looking for is not evident until afterwards. Um, so being able to have, you know, a bigger image that I can then zoom in on and look at things closer afterwards, you know, just like I would if I was walking on the ground and I saw something, I could walk up closer to it and look more closely, you know, same thing with an image. So that, that ability, you know, that element of being able to kind of determine afterwards what you're looking for and then look at it more closely, um, like by touring around an image or a model is, is really mm -hmm. helpful. Um, yeah, I, I do have to say that like Google Earth or if you're using just regular Google, it doesn't, it's not, obviously it's not updated every week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. it actually becomes quite an important service uh, yeah. to the people we're working with. And what kind of, you know, uh, <clears throat> like, is there, I imagine there's all kinds of different cameras and certainly different drones and things like that, but like, um, you know, as somebody, if you're looking for that kind of capability to mm. be able to go in afterwards and, and get more detail, um, you know, how would you communicate that to a potential provider, you know, saying like, look, that's what I need. You know, I don't need just an image, but I need to be able to, you know, um, zoom in a lot and see the details later, or, you know, how, how, what's the best way to, you know, talk up through that with somebody who might be providing the service for you? So when you say that, you're talking about like the, the business owner or the drone yeah. pilot? So yeah, both, both. Like if I, you know, if I come to you and I say like, look, you know, I've got this project, I need to be able to say like a roof inspection, right? I want to do a roof inspection from a drone. You know, right. it's really difficult to get access onto the roof on foot or it's dangerous or whatever. Um, you know, and I, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for. I need to be able to tell the client, mm. um, these are the conditions that are on the roof. Um, you know, what options do I have to, you know, a good, better or best way to approach that right. um, to get the information I'm looking for? So I would, you know, if you're trying to work with the, the building management, uh, you know, I would say that the data collection could be done a little bit during the daylight and then some infrared would be a good idea. It's, it's not going to take a long time, maybe a couple hours but the images would be delivered in a way that they could just be JPEGs that they flip through, something as mm -hmm. easy as that, or they could be something um, on a cloud so that they can share them. I find that sometimes when you work with one person, you're actually unbeknownst to you working with 20 people, right? So right. They, they might say, I can't share these images. And you're like, that, that is such a small part of what we provide, but in reality, you have to work that out. And so that might mean a cloud service for this person that, you know, yeah. where you thought originally it was going to be something like Dropbox turns into something else. So you always have to have many solutions to how you're going to collect the data, when you're going to collect the data, what you're going to do with the data and how you're going to access the data. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and like what in terms of technology, like are there, um, you said you mentioned, you know, like, so the, there's now micro four thirds cameras and things like that. Is there, um, do the drone and the camera always go together? Are there, you know, do you affix different cameras onto a given drone or yes to all the above? Or, you know, how does that, how do you go about making those decisions? Well, sometimes, you know, you can buy something off the shelf and maybe it'll have one use, but it won't have many uses. Mm -hmm. So you could buy a drone for every use, or you know you could make a drone um, with the help of an engineer to fit a specific need. Uh, we have looked in smokestacks and we've had used smaller drones that we've made um, for that purpose. Um, the, each uh, 
each drone is, is different. Like there are many providers, you know, there's not just DJI, there's a lot of people. Sure. So there's drone sense and, you know, lots of providers, but you really can't get yourself backed in a corner that you only work with one drone, one provider, you have to be yeah. able to provide services. So um, just being open to different crafts is really important. How would you um, advise somebody who is trying to decide like, all right, I've got a business and occasionally we use drone services. Mm -hmm. um, you know, should we, you know, it seems like, you know, it seems like I can go online and buy a drone. Like, should I just do that? Um, or should I keep using services? Like how, how would you talk somebody through that thought process? Well, um, I'd have to really ask them, is there a difference between this being your curiosity, your passion or your business? And, and those are three very different things. Uh, when you're a business owner, you know, you pay an excessive amount in insurances and, and other um, business overhead operational fees, um, it, you know, licensing and education. I mean, it just, if you want to be a, if you want to be an expert at something, you have to apply yourself. If you want to just provide a service for fun and not be commercial, then that's a, that's a different thing. I what about if you're thinking of it like, so, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, obliquely to the question of, you know, licensing and, and what's allowable and what are mm -hmm. the regulations, things like that. But, you know, so say like, you know, I go to a job site, right. I don't have a, I'm not a photographer. Um, mm -hmm. It's not my profession, but I bring a camera and mm -hmm. I take pictures of things, right? So if I, you know, to extend what I was talking about before, if I just want the equivalent of a camera on a long stick that I can use to take pictures of the roof, uh -huh. um, you know, uh, why, you know, why wouldn't I just buy a drone myself and fly it around and take pictures of the roof the same way I take pictures of the wall from the ground? Right. And I know there's there's reasons not to, but I'm, you know, I, that's what I kind of want to talk about is why, why that may not be, uh, you know, as obvious a solution as it seems at first. Right. Well, you don't need a license to have a camera. That's one. <laughs> so that, that, that would be the top thing I'd say. Um, you know, you so can, what kind of licensure is required to use a drone commercially? So you have to have an FAA 107. You have to pass a test um, series of questions that you go to like your local airport. And, and um, if you pass, they uh, give you a piece of paper and you get a letter in the mail with a nice little license and, and off you go. Uh, you have to renew it every two years. Um, I would, I would say that, yeah, anybody could buy a drone, but I would have to say that being in this business now for almost 10 years, there are a lot of caveats to being a professional provider versus owning a drone. And yes, you could go out and have a drone and take pictures. That's fine. But <laughs> what are some of the other requirements that, or maybe like, uh, you know, insurance wise or anything like that, that, you know, you, uh, you know, aren't immediately obvious maybe. Right. So, um, for instance, we have our OSHA certificates. We don't need our OSHA certificates, but that makes us a more viable solution for, um, people in the industry. You, you know, the insurance is when you buy insurance, it has to be on the drone, um, the pilot, um, it has to be on the business. You have to have things like workman's compensation. Uh, there's at least five insurances, I would say. Yeah, you have to have quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
All right, so maybe um, moving more towards some of the practical matters, like um, what are some what are some of the factors that go into planning, um, you know, a day of drone photography? Like, what do you have to get in place ahead of time? Um, sure. What do you you know what are your limitations maybe in terms of uh, flight time and and what you can look at in a day and and stuff like that? Right. So let's say it's an urban environment. Um, we'll just assume that for this situation, um, you know, we contact the local police, local authorities, we might have to hire a police detail. Uh, we've done that. We've done that many times. We work that out. We have to contact the surrounding buildings to let them know at their front desk and make sure that the super knows uh, that we're in the area and the actual building, the super has to be aware. And then uh, letters of intent have to be placed around the building. Residents have to be made aware a few days prior to flying. Um, and then an area has to be sort of cordoned off and then under the watch eye possibly of a, a on-duty police officer, we can begin our flight. Um, you know, we, have, we usually cone off an area, we have caution tape, uh, we try to be as respectful and quiet as possible so as not to bother anybody. Uh, it might take several days because it's a scenario of not interrupting other people's day. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to be really uh, aware of people's schedules. So we might work around the day when it's uh, not a busy day or, or an off day. Um, data collection might take a few hours, uh, and then we, we just take that information and upload it um, the same day from where we are and work on it um, remotely. And how about, um, you know, as I know you mentioned battery uh, capacity and things like that, like how does that play into the amount of actual data collection time that you have versus like on-site time. I imagine, I guess you could have a ton of batteries and switch them out and stuff like that, but right. you, know, to, you know, are you, are you limited to in, in some extent, you know, to an extent by, by that type of, uh, you know, technical limitation? I mean, I only know what, what we have done and we have um, on-site generators that we use. Okay. And if we can't get power somewhere. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you only know those things because you've been in that heated scenario before and you're like, we have yeah. to fix this, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we got to the point where we said we need online power all the time. And yeah. so you have enough, you know, basically enough batteries that you can charge them fast enough to, to essentially right. keep flying continuously. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Um, let's see, what else? Um, what kind of, you know, like how how close can you get for lack of a better way to put it? Like not necessarily physically close can the drone get, but mm -hmm. you know, I can put my face, you know, one inch away from a building, right? Um, so how, how, how much detail can you gather? Sure, I can always uh, send a couple images too uh, on our data collection process. Um, we don't use vertical mapping at all. We don't rely on any sort of automated process when we're doing facade inspection, uh, mm -hmm. only because we're most likely called in if the building has some sort of ornate architecture to it, or, or it's extremely um, difficult flying, difficult area, I can't use a boom truck. So when we fly, we are usually anywhere from four to eight feet from the building. So you're going to see fissures and cracks and yeah. um, exactly. So, and we know, you know, you have those repetitive buildings, you know, those old school buildings 
buildings of 70s and stuff where they're very repetitive. So we make a 3D model out of those buildings and we use the imagery uh, to be referenced later in an inspection on the engineer or architect's own time. Got it. And do you usually work in a, in a, um, a fashion where you have, like you gather the information and then provide it to uh, you know, uh, the, the designer or the engineer or the architect or whatever, or do you have somebody on site with you, you know, looking over your shoulder, so to speak, mm -hmm. saying like, hey, I wanna go see that. Can you fly up there and look at that more closely um, or both of those things? I have found, Matt, that nothing good comes from anybody looking over anyone's shoulder. <laughs> 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 it's just, it, it never works out um, only, only because uh, it, I don't want to, it's not a perilous situation, but you're, you're there and you've got this huge craft and, you know, you're trying to do your job and, and you're trying to make sure that everybody's safe first and foremost. And actually having someone there is almost not safe. Yep. because you're thinking of them and and so they know that we're going to get the entire building they i mean mm -hmm. they, they know it anyways that's our goal so okay. um it, it it has worked in the past where you know people they come and they check in and we show them like hey look this is what we're doing is this or this is what you're comfortable with and and then they might give us some pointers but as far as like hand holding goes we don't really get a lot of that yeah. So generally your approach is like, okay, we're just going to gather all the data and right. then provide it to you and you can peruse it at your, you know, at your leisure. Yeah. And I have found that if they said like, oh, don't, don't worry about that section. Inevitably someone comes back and says, <laughs> did you get that section? Did yeah. we talk about that? And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It was easier to go take a couple of pictures while you're there it, than to exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. All right. Well, I mean, that, I think that's a pretty good overview, at least from, you know, questions I had. I don't know. Is there anything else that you would want to share that you think we haven't talked about that you think, you know, people should know about this kind mm. of uh, technology or these, you know, using aerial photography, uh, specifically, you know, related to architecture and buildings and things like that? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not sure. I guess I could say that, yes, it is very fun and it is very exciting, but it's also a job. So, yeah. you know, like like everybody who has like something you think is like an amazing job and you're like tell me about your scuba diving life and they're like oh yeah. you know so but i mean we love it but yeah it's i'm very passionate about it i, I love it and it's you know i love questions so cool yeah. Well, thanks very much. It's been fun to learn a little bit more about it. For, you know, it's uh, there's a lot to the technology that you know I'm uh, not aware of, or you know, and I've learned a lot today already. So I appreciate well, it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Cool. Well, it's good talking with you. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening to the show today. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed talking with Mindy and learned a lot about what's possible and what the different capabilities are from aerial photography. So uh, I learned a lot and I hope you did too. If you have questions, feel free to send an email to info at copelandbec.com. That's BEC for Building Envelope Consulting. You can also go to copelandbec.com slash podcast to find the show notes for today's show and all the others. We have useful links and other info related to each episode. Look forward to the next show and we'll talk to you then. Take care.